emanating from www.michaelnimmons.com. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is Michael Eric Dyson. This is Rochelle Riley, straight out of Detroit. This is Dr. Victoria Dooley at Dr. Dooley MD. Well, everybody, it's your boy, comedian Jay Stevens. This is Frederick D. Haynes III. I am Justin Coates, an author and anti-bullying activist. I am Pam Perry. Hey, everybody, this is Rochelle V. Mann, CEO of Man Made Productions. This is Bree Diane, international evangelist. Hey, this is Candace Pretty Strange Smith. And what's up? This is Ty Scott King. I was cracking Planet Earth. It's your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemes. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. I want you to give a warm Thinking Out Loud Radio show welcome to Emmy Award winning WXYZ Channel 7 anchor woman and new friend of the show, Miss Carolyn Clifford. Well, thank you, Michael, and what a nice introduction. So happy to be here. You know what I've got to do. i got to check out my man, Michael Nimmons, who is handling his business as he drops that knowledge. I like that because Frederick Douglass, for whom I'm named, says that knowledge unfits us for slavery. Truth sets us free. If you want to be free, you want to be like Mike. Check out the best radio show online. You're locked in right now to our listening. You're tuned into this. And without thinking about it, guess what? I'm thinking out loud right here on a Thinking Out Loud radio show. And if you want to stay in the know, you better be listening to Thinking Out Loud radio show. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Check out Thinking Out Loud. Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thinking Out Loud radio show. Don't you dare touch that dial. The Thinking Out Loud radio show with Michael Nimmons. Featuring author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons. Dr. Eddie Connor. I, I was reading something the other day, and it's, it's interesting. Uh, it's been 50 years since uh, Dr. King was killed. 50 years later, they're still killing kings, you know, uh, to, to really speak truth to power, but also to, to speak to our young men about uh, police brutality, but also the whole spectrum that, in many cases, they live in the crosshairs of society. We can give them all the, the tips, tools, and things of the trade of how to govern yourself accordingly. But we see young men all across America, and we, you know, uh, in many cases, we just become desensitized to a young man who is shot and killed because the police were threatened by the fact that he pulled something out of his pocket and it was a phone when they thought it was a gun. Practitioner and spokesperson, Dr. Victoria Dooley. I 
do feel strongly that as the African-American community and the church, we need to take mental illness more seriously, and we need to make it okay for somebody to seek out health care for mental health issues other than prayer. Absolutely, 100%. Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist, Rochelle Riley. Uh, I, I can tell you, and before we leave uh, Ali, let me tell you that it wasn't just an interview with him, but my very first column called for the city of Louisville to have a museum for him because at that time there was nothing bearing his name except a little strip of street, you know, how it works in some cities where Martin Luther King Boulevard is in a part of town, but in the rest of the town it's named something else. That column ran and the mayor and other folks who knew better and who were embarrassed by it said, okay, it's time. And that helped lead to this effort that had been going on for some time to raise $80 million to build the Muhammad Ali Center, which now exists on the banks of the Ohio River. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And I'm your host, author, motivational speaker, and minister, Michael Nimmons. And you're tuned in to the show that's giving voice to issues that matter to you. Hey guys, we are so very excited that you tuned in to tonight's show. We just thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us for yet another edition of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And guys, we are so very close to the end of another year. We'll be going into 2020 in just a couple of weeks. I can't believe it. Wow. We're just days away from Christmas. And of course, after Christmas, we are going right into the new year. I hope you all are having a wonderful time. I want to wish everyone a um, a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. And our next show is actually going to be on Christmas Eve. So uh, mark your calendars for that. Uh, but tonight's show is very special as well. We've interviewed close to 90 guests uh, on our um, on our show, 86 to be exact, of varying backgrounds uh, and degrees, lawyers, doctors, CEOs, journalists, pastors, athletes, entertainers, actors and actresses, playwrights, educators, PhDs and politicians. In over two years of doing this show, we've covered the gamut of professionals. And we decided to highlight three of some of our best interviews on tonight's show. It was a hard choice to make, but we chose three guests. We're going to share a few excerpts of their interviews during our best of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. That's right. This is our best of. And I think over us doing 141 shows, we've uh, earned uh, a best of <laughs> doing one of these uh, kind of walk down. memory. we've done walk down memory lane type of shows before. Uh, but this is what we're calling the best of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And we're going to be uh, highlighting three um, of, of our favorite guests. Yes, uh, one of them is comedian Simply Chanel. Uh, she was on, um, wow, when we first started, our second comedian, a uh, very funny, funny, uh, funny young lady. Uh, so happy to have had her on the show. And we'll be sharing with you uh, an excerpt of her interview uh, in just a little bit. 
as well as um, our good friend, CEO of Forgotten Harvest, Kirk Mays, a uh, good friend of ours, went went to Michigan State together and uh, really just um, uh, doing a, a phenomenal job as the CEO of Forgotten Harvest, one of the, um, uh, you know, premier nonprofit organizations here in the state of Michigan. And again, so happy to have had him as a guest on the Thinking Out Loud radio show as well. And of course, um, we close out um, uh, these uh, guests on tonight with Vice President of uh, Vice President and General Counsel of Western Air, Rexy Rowe, another phenomenal uh, woman, very uh, intelligent and bright young lady uh, that we uh, were able to connect with on social media. And uh, so very happy that uh, she's um, she was on the show with us. And again, she's the vice president, general counsel of Western Air, which is the largest black owned uh, airline or airport uh, in in the Bahamas. And uh, we'll be sharing with you uh, their uh, excerpts of their three interviews during tonight's show. And of course, uh, we're just sharing with you excerpts. But if you want to hear their interviews, you can always go back to uh, our website, michaelnemons.com, where our 141 shows are archived uh, right on our podcast page. Go there, www.michaelnemons.com, and you can listen to all of our 141 shows right from our website. Of course, you can also go to any of the major podcasting networks like Spotify, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Radio.com, uh, Google Play Music, Apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your uh, podcasts, uh, you can listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show as well. Again, so very happy to have, had, to have this platform and uh, to be able to share it with people like you. Want to take a minute and welcome all of our new listeners to tonight's show. Thank you so much for taking some time out of your busy schedule to listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We truly, truly appreciate it. I know we've connected with a few people during uh, the week on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, thank you so very much for taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Do us a favor. Visit uh, the Thinking Out Loud radio show fan page at thinkingoutloudfacebook.com uh, forward slash thinkingoutloudradio.com. Radio show. Not only check out some of the uh, posts that we've made there of articles and things that we discuss on the show, but share them with your friends. Share them on your Facebook pages. Share them on your social media timelines so that others can um, connect with us on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We truly, truly appreciate it. During our What Are You Thinking About segment, which is coming up in just a few minutes, we're going to be talking about. That's right. Impeachment. We haven't talked about that in quite some time, but we're going to be talking about it. We are up against it tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, uh, December the 18th. Congress is going to be uh, going to a vote formally to impeach uh, Donald Trump. That's right. So we want to talk about that. And what are you thinking about segment? We're also going to be talking about a pastor taking a break. And is that okay to do? We're going to be talking about that in just a few minutes. And finally, rounding out the three topics for the What Are You Thinking About segment where we talk about what you're thinking about, Netflix and Jesus. That's right. We're going to be talking Netflix and Jesus. You don't want to miss this one. And uh, we'll be talking about that in just a few minutes. So, guys, needless to say, we've got a great show for you on tonight, the best of the Thinking Out Loud radio show. And we've got a dynamic thought of the week to close out the show. So without any further ado, let's get to it. You is live. 
a sea of race fists and silence. 2020 fight is getting very real. Democrats jumping in, speaking out. Jussie Smollett. A month ago, few people knew who he was. You're watching The Breakfast Club. If you take it all into consideration, Stephen A. Listen, the argument that where, where you absolutely disgust me. A dilemma right now. How you feeling? Better than I deserve. You feel better today? I'm getting there. Yeah. What are you thinking about? What's up, everybody? This is the December 17th edition of the What Are You Thinking About segment where we talk about everything that you're thinking about. And we kick off tonight's show talking about impeachment. That's right, guys. We haven't talked about that in a few weeks. In fact, it sounds, feels like longer than that. We haven't talked about Trump in a while. But, um, of course, a lot has been going on, and uh, but we're not going to get into all of it during this segment. But, of course, on tomorrow, Wednesday, December the 18th, a uh, very historic vote that's going to be taking place in the House of Representatives. Uh, only the third president in U.S. history, Trump, is going to be uh, impeached in the House. I believe there is enough votes. The House, um, the Democrats have the majority in um, the House of Representatives. So if all the Democrats vote in this uh, in favor of impeachment, then there you have it. And Trump will be impeached in the House. And then at that point, those articles will be forwarded over to the Senate for an official trial that will take place uh, in the first of the year. Of course, you know um, what's been reported and coming out uh, regarding that. Mitch McConnell has um, put it out there that, um, uh, you know, he's um, he's an impartial juror. Uh, he's going to be, of course, um, uh, in favor of the acquittal of Donald Trump. Uh, him and Lindsey Graham and uh, his other cronies are uh, basically staging um, this this trial uh, for the benefit of Trump. Um, you know, I really call them call these three the three stooges: Donald Trump, Lindsey Graham, and Mitch McConnell. And um, Republicans have going to have a lot to answer for uh, when this is all said and done. Um, if ultimately Trump is acquitted in this, which looks like that's what's going to happen even though um, you know he, he is acquitted uh, history will still remember him as the third U.S. president that uh, was impeached and um, you know deservingly so and he really he did really deserves to be removed from office but right now these um, spineless Republicans that are in charge right now are not going to uh, move in that direction because for some reason they, they they're afraid of Trump. I don't understand it. I really don't. Um, but the American people um, are really divided right now from what uh, our, what the polls are showing. Um, CNN is reporting that you know right now 50% of Americans are in favor of impeachment and then of course 50% are against it. So it's a, almost a 50-50 split there. Uh, but you know 
um, it will ultimately be decided, I believe, in the general election next November 2020. Um, if if people go out and put this man back in office, shame on you. Really, shame on you if you give him another opportunity uh, to do what he's done uh, to this country. It is it just a, he is an abject failure, a major, major uh, embarrassment to uh, the United States across the globe. And um, the things that he's done even before the Ukraine phone call uh, is impeachment worthy. And the fact that um, he has gotten this far is just Incredible and unbelievable. Love to get your thoughts about this. Of course, if I had an opportunity to vote on tomorrow, you know what my vote would be. Impeach, impeach, impeach. <laughs> this man deserves to be gone. That's right. He deserves to be gone. And definitely um, not just impeach in the House, but definitely uh, impeach in the Senate and immediately removed from office. Um, him and uh, Vice President uh, Pence, they both need to be gone. Um, they, they are, they're just, they, they've really done um, a, um, a terrible job in office these past, you know, two and a half, three years. It's amazing that they made it this far. Can't believe it, guys. Woo! Also, um, in other news, a pastor takes a break. That's right. According to the Washington Post, um, a pastor by the name of Reverend Howard John Wesley stood in front of his congregation on December 1st and admitted he needed a break from the Lord's work. In an address he shared widely this week on social media by other pastors in ministry, Wesley made his admission, I am tired in my soul. Wesley, 47, has been pastor of the historic Alfred Street Baptist Church in Alexandria, Virginia for the past 11 years, leading four services every weekend, averaging 4,500 in attendance and 50,000 viewers online. Very successful and prominent pastor. Um, even um, uh, uh, President, former President Barack and Michelle Obama uh, were um, attendees at one point at his church. And uh, just um, it begs the question, uh, you know, can a pastor take a break? Can a, ba a pastor take what's called a sabbatical? Um, I know it is a extremely hard job uh, to have, uh, you know, to be a full time pastor is not an easy job. Uh, you know, it is a calling. That's why it's not really called a job. It's a calling, a 24 hour calling. I mean, there you, you can get a phone call at 11, 12 o'clock at night from one of your parishioners about a loved one that has passed and, and they want you there at their at their bedside or they want you at the crime scene or they want you at the want you there with them and and what can you do but but go and be with them and um, you know it is not an easy job it's not an easy calling I would say um, and to hear this pastor say that he's tired is definitely not something that I haven't heard before many pastors share the same sentiments of being tired and stressed out and you know it's um, it's it's just interesting, you know. I, I empathize and sympathize with this this man of God. Um, you know, he is 
uh, not someone that is saying saying this and and has not shown that he is committed to what he's doing. Uh, obviously, he's over a thriving uh, church of 4,500 4, uh, members in attendance, and he even has a large of uh, viewing audience online of his services. So this is not someone that is is derelict in his duties and responsibilities as a pastor, and he's, I believe, speaking honestly about uh, how he feels, not just in his, not not just how he feels spiritually, but even how he feels physically. Um, he has made the statement. Of course, the headline is, "I feel so distant from God." Popular DC area pastor confesses he's tired and announces sabbatical. And I believe he's going to be taking a um, taking a break and returning. Um, in 2020 on Easter of 2020 just taking a few months off and uh, and returning uh, in Easter of 2020 and you know I just I'm interested to in know what your thoughts are about a pastor taking a break uh, taking a sabbatical um, you know is is this calling something that you can take a break from uh, is this something that you can you know, walk away from and then come back to it. It's, it's, it's worthy of discussion, worthy of conversation. You know, I, um, I have mixed feelings about it, obviously. Um, you know, and, um, you know, being in the ministry myself, not a full time pastor, but um, certainly um, serving under one who he is and, and and seeing some of the things that he has experienced and has gone through, um, not experiencing it myself, but just kind of seeing some of it. Uh, it is it's truly it, it's truly a calling. And um, and one that definitely should not be taken uh, lightly. But can a pastor take a sabbatical? That's a good question, guys. And I'm really torn. I understand it. I see it from both sides, both perspectives. Um, It is truly um, a topic worthy of discussion. Maybe we will uh, take that up um, in one of our interviews or in a later show. But certainly would love to get your thoughts and feedback about that as well. And last but certainly not least in our three topics for tonight, uh, Netflix and Jesus. Never thought I would put those two in the same sentence together. But according to the Christian Post, over 1.3 million people have signed a petition demanding Netflix remove comedy depicting Jesus as gay. That's right. You heard it right, guys. More than 1.3 million people have signed a petition demanding that Netflix remove a Brazilian comedy special that depicts Jesus Christ as a homosexual. Titled The First Temptation of Christ, presumably alluding to the controversial 1988 film The Last Temptation of Christ, the satirical special was created by a Brazilian comedy group known as Porta dos Fundos. It premiered on December the third. Uh, Jesus, who's hitting the big 3-0, brings a surprise guest to meet the family. A Christmas special so wrong, it must be from comedians Porta Dos Fundos reads its description on Netflix. So um, I bring it up because obviously, guys, I am definitely not in support of this Netflix special. 
And um, if I had the opportunity to sign the petition, I certainly would, demanding that Netflix remove this comedy depicting Jesus as a homosexual. Uh, I just believe that it's definitely in poor taste. It's, in fact, blasphemous to portray the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ in such a way. Um, you know, I, I really think that Netflix should have uh, done a better job in in um, reviewing this uh, show or movie to be aired on their streaming service. Uh, I, I, I really believe that there are just some things, some topics, some subjects that should not be uh, talked about in this manner. And um, the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who is the Savior of the world, one that we talk about, uh, you know, very prominently on this radio program um, should never be uh, talked about or um, satirized in this way uh, in a comedic fashion uh, on this Netflix streaming service. And uh, just I, I really and truly believe that that this show needs to be um, discontinued and needs to be taken off the air. And I stand with those 1.3 million uh, petitioners, those 1.3 million people who signed the petition uh, to have this show taken off the air. Netflix is a streaming service that I uh, watch religiously, <laughs> no pun intended, uh, but I watch it a lot. I watch, uh, I like some of the, the content, the shows that are on there, um, but this is definitely not, this would definitely not be one of them, and I wasn't aware that uh, a show like this uh, was on Netflix. Uh, but I truly believe that this show needs to be removed uh, from this streaming service. I know you agree, those who listen to this show as well. Well, that was the three topics for tonight's What Are You Thinking About segment, where we talk about everything that you're thinking about. Uh, we hope that you enjoyed it. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up uh, contact at michaelnimmons.com or thinking out loud radio show at gmail.com or leave us a comment on our facebook fan page at thinking facebook.com forward slash thinking out loud radio show or hit us up on uh, twitter and instagram at t at tol radio host msn or tol radio show or the tol radio show we're all over social media guys and we would love to hear from you thank you so much for tuning in to the what are you thinking about Seth? We're going to take our first break of the night but when we come back we're getting right into our first interview of the best of the thinking out loud radio show with simply chanel don't you go anywhere you're tuned in to one of the hottest radio shows on you're tuned in to the thinking Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Hi, my name is Maya, and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with radio show host and my daddy, Michael Nimmons. You better listen to that little girl. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you... 
leads you to believe. Who Told You That You Were Naked is a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Radio show giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is Derek Mason, former all pro wide receiver of the NFL. I'm sending my man Michael Nimmons a special, special two year anniversary with the Thinking Out Loud radio show, man. I am so proud of you, man. Keep doing your thing. Let's make this two years turn into four and then four into forever, man. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is radio host Michael Nimmons, and yes, it's tax time. Haven't filed yet? No worries. We've got the place for you. Consumer Tax Clinic. Take it from someone who knows. They will sit down with you, go over your return, give great advice, and look for the best possible return options. Let the experts at Consumer Tax Clinic help you get the refund you never thought you could. They did it for me. Let them do it for you. Call Consumer Tax Clinic at 248-395-0078. That's 248-395-0078. Or visit their website at ConsumerTaxClinic.com. That's ConsumerTaxClinic.com. Consumer Tax Clinic, a tax service designed with you in mind. Simply Chanel was the second comedian we had on the show. Impressive resume, uh, been on stages in and outside of the country. Germany, for example, she's been on BET Comic View, just to name a few. She performed for one of our pastors, Bishop Charles Ellis's birthday cruises. And she was hilarious. What I enjoyed most about her interview was not just how funny she was, but the whole reason she decided to get into comedy. For some comedians, this was a lifelong dream or goal of theirs. But for Simply Chanel, it was something completely different. Take a listen. I've been doing comedy now approximately 15 years. Yeah, the first several years I was still employed as a juvenile correction specialist, uh, but uh, I was given the opportunity to go to Germany to perform for the troops, and uh, they wouldn't let me take time off, so I resigned from my job and went to Germany. I um, 
had been performing comedy. Um, as I said, I was a juvenile correction specialist. And then one day at work, I just was really upset about all the injustice in the correction system. And on my way home, I heard a commercial say, uh, are you funny? Do people say you're funny? Well, come on down to all jokes aside and perform in the open mic and win $50. So as I said, I was on my way home and I drove straight to the club. And uh, I'm knocking on the door, and I'm like, I'm here for the open mic. And uh, they say, well, we're going to start signing up to 7. And I say, well, I'll be back. Went to All Jokes Aside, uh, got in the open mic contest. And um, the rules was no cussing. The only cussing you could say is the had rule, H-A-D, hell, damn, or ass, because that's in the Bible. And... Uh, and I won. I didn't even tell any jokes. I was just venting. I was just venting. And people found it funny. No, I'm serious. I'm serious. And um, at that moment, it was just like I could literally feel the stress just pour off of me. And I was on stage saying, oh, my God, this feels so good. And the audience is just laughing. And I'm telling them, no, if you're having a bad day, get on stage and talk about it. And the audience felt as though it was part of my routine. They didn't know that this was my first time ever stepping on stage doing comedy, which wasn't comedy. It was just me venting. And I That's won. amazing. It was a blessing. It was comedy was therapeutical for the first four years that I participated because I was still working um, and I was only doing open mics, you know, and I was just using it as therapy. I would get off work. I would wait to Monday night when they did the open mic. I would get on stage. I would talk about my supervisors. I would talk about management. I would talk about the parents. I would talk about the bad kids, you know, um, <laughs> the injustice of the uh, um, the prison system, you know, how biased it is. And um, people thought it was funny because I was so passionate about what I was speaking about. Like, you know, we've all had them supervisors that... You know, they get no respect anywhere else but their job. So they just go overboard with their position. People tell me, like, when I'm having a really bad day or really stressed out and I get on stage, it's like that's when I'm the funniest. I remember a couple of years ago, I had an audition for a festival. Mm -hmm. And three minutes before I went on stage, my daughter called me to tell me my teenage son has stole her car. What? And so I am, it's like literally three minutes before I'm on for this audition. So I'm sitting there wondering, should I both try to find my 15-year-old son or do I let this opportunity pass? So I would say, well, you're not going to make it back home in three minutes, so why not just do the audition? Right. So when I got on stage, I mean, I was human from real life. And so my whole routine 
was about kids, bad kids, how how they they interrupt your whole life. Uh, once you have kids, you're tired all the time because they exactly what they name stand for, K-I-D-S, keep interrupting doing stuff. You know, so <laughs> people thought I was just being funny, but they didn't realize how angry I was at that moment and actually worried because my son is 15 years old right? and he done took my daughter's car. So when I get off stage, people are just coming up to me and like in amazement and my focus is, okay, now I need to get out of here because I need to go find my son. And <laughs> it was just uh, my old man said, you know what Chanel? He said, you really somebody needs to get on your nerves before you go on stage every time because when you mad your comedy is hitting wow but I know when I first started comedy um that Christmas my dad uh, for Christmas he bought me a book and it was uh so you want to be a comedian I still have the book, even though my father is deceased, because he was the first one who really, really believed and embraced my comedy. And I, I always remember one of the lines in the book, in the introduction is, remember, comedy is real life exaggerated. So when I speak about my car getting hit, the car that hits me, it's held together with bubble gum and duct tape. <laughs> you know, that's the exaggeration of the car that hit me. Right. And I've always had that in, in my mind. Um, I, I'm not a jester, and that's something that um, I most definitely don't want to be as a comedian, a jester. I want my words to have meaning. I want you to laugh. But I want you to think about what I said and, and be like, um, wow, she's right. You know, I do a lot on the prison system. Mm. You know, people in prison living better than free people. <laughs> they getting three meals a day, central air. You know, that is so true. Like, and nothing against prisoners, but... How can you have air conditioning in the summer and I'm working and struggling and I, I got a fan that don't even go on high all the way? Like, really? <laughs> Makes you want to go to jail. <laughs> wow. And these were the so kind of things, of, these are the kind of jokes you were telling on, on, the, on the boat. That's <laughs> still funny. Yeah, I, you know... I think with comedians, um, we have a lot of responsibility as a comedian because comedy is a gift from God. Mm. Everyone cannot be a comedian. Um, right. And some people actually go to comedy school, and you can tell when it's kind of forced or it's routine or if it's just, it's just that person. Luckily, I come from a family that's full of comedians. When you growing up broke, you have to find something else to do. So our thing was talking about each other. I could remember we, my siblings and I and my mother, we would all play the dozens with each other. You know, we'd be sitting there 
with my mother, your mama, your mama's cousin, mama's sister, brother. <laughs> you know, like, so my mother, um, my mother really had a unique way in raising us when we wasn't really sensitive because she was born during an era that um, made her feel bad uh, because during her time, she was considered a bastard baby. Mm. And that she always had feelings about it. And then she was dark. So a lot of my mother's childhood experience, she said when she said when she was little, she always said, I'm not going to raise my kids to feel bad about who they are. So you couldn't call Chanel dark or blackie because my mother had already did it in a joke. So we had <laughs> comeback lines. <laughs> you know, we just... She uh, she prepared us for the real world. Like, mm. you didn't have to call me ugly. She called me ugly, but not in a vicious way. It was just preparing us for the world and how to not let words affect you and right. to have a comeback. Right. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's a Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. This is Anthony White from the Detroit Youth Concert Choir, artistic director, and you're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. You're listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. CEO Forgotten Harvest, Kurt Mays, was our first Thanksgiving edition guest. I really wanted this show to be special, so the guest had to be special as well. I wanted to have someone whose life, whose career exemplified what this holiday season was all about, giving. And I couldn't think of a better person than my good friend, Kurt Mays. You know, we're both Spartans, like-minded individuals, but Kurt has really blossomed in this position as CEO of this great nonprofit organization that is centered around giving back to the less fortunate and helping those who Jesus calls the least of these. Listen to him talk about how he grew into this position. Uh, well, you know, uh, growing up for me, really the biggest thing I could I could think of is just you know my family and my my mother and and the, the stability of the home environment we didn't have you know everything on I guess the checklist that everybody you know people might put up for the perfect home but 
you know, we had what we needed. And um, I remember my mother's love, her hard work, and um, her determination to make sure I had a good education so I could make a life for myself. And that really was the driving force um, behind everything that, um, you know, she pushed me to be. And um, eventually, uh, what, what really still pushes me today uh, to be everything I can be. Wow. Awesome. So, you know, we, we go back quite a ways, back to our Michigan State University days, go Spartans. Um, so, so tell us, when you started out at Michigan State as a freshman, um, what were, you know, what was on your mind career-wise uh, as a student? You know, what kinds of things were you thinking about uh, when you started out at Michigan State University? Did you did you see this? Uh, did you see this this life for yourself when you started out at Michigan State? Oh man, that's a great question. Like, you know, um, no, I didn't see this life for myself. But um, I, in my spirit, I knew that I was. Uh, know looking forward to you know at the beginning of my freshman year you know and, and that all of that anticipation of not only the college experience but understanding this was going to prepare you for something else I already knew that I wanted to be in some way um, a part of some kind of uh, major business at that point I didn't know how or where or even you know I didn't even know if I understood the sectors and all of that um, but as things in my life became more important to me and I became, you know, mature and started to realize, I, I guess, what's important to me um, and, and what was going on at the time when I was coming home. Uh, it really kind of led me to this uh, this process to, to, to do what I'm doing now. But when I started at Michigan State, I, um, I, I was thinking about being an engineer and uh, working for an auto company and uh, designing cars or something, honestly, mm. um, as, as a as the plan, right? But right, in my right. spirit, I knew that you know I was supposed to be like in business somehow, some way. And if if the career path that everybody wanted me to pick um, didn't work out, then I knew that a businessman was inside of me somewhere. Um, and then there was the actual all the physical distractions, you know, all these new people, places, freedom. And all of that, mm-hmm. which, you know, really made it a ball of experience, one ball of wax that, that made it an experience that I think is worth um, trying for everybody. Even if it's, you don't think it's for you, try and see before you make that assumption. Right. So when when did the when did did it really catch on for you? You know that you, you, you said that, you know, you always felt in your mind that there was uh, a business uh, man inside of you there there that you were um, destined for something uh, greater than what you even thought uh, or could imagine so when did the light bulb come on uh, was it in college was it after you graduated uh, got out into the business world when did that when did it happen for you really I guess it I mean like this this particular path, I, it's fair to say it was nurtured through all my life experience up to the mm-hmm. point like after college though and mm-hmm. and that was like you know I was in a zone where 
I really have no more regimens to follow that anybody else made, was making me do. You know, going through private school my whole life, pretty much at different stages, and then going through college. I mean, yeah, this was something that I was, of course, into and willing to be a part of, and I understood the value of it for me, but I also grew up in a very disciplined home that, you know, this wasn't much of a choice. So mm. to have uh, completed it all and to have this kind of sense of, all right, I did everything everybody wanted to, for me to do now. Uh-huh, what would I want to do? Mm. I really got a chance to get in this space after school um, and ask myself this question, you know, what would I do if... Um, all of the things that I could imagine that I, I, I yearn for, my ambitions were com- a complete tomorrow. Like if all the cars I wanted to drive, all the places I wanted to go, all the carnal things I could think of were accomplished. And the next day, all I had was a list of things I had done and a bank account full of money. What would I just get up and do because it filled my spirit? And um, I asked that question at the beginning of my journey, thankfully. Um, and, it, and it really was because I felt like I needed to make the right choice and right steps because I knew at that point that I had my son on his way. And wow. it was an unexpected situation for me, but it wasn't something that I could toy with just because it was unexpected. So I, I got to a very contemplative place about what I was going to do with my life. And that question was what, like, the guiding post. It was the beginning guiding star for me. And the, the answer to it was, you know... Um, you know, at the end of the day, I, at my funeral, I would like to be remembered for leaving a legacy on this planet. And if it was going to be between a number and a bank account and impact on people's lives, it became very clear to me which one would be um, the most fruitful path for one life that I had. Wow. To, and which was the one that I was going to have this child that was coming see me live. And that's where mm. I started. So... Um, There was a few things that happened to help, you know, really galvanize that. There was a group of people I was around and some friends at that time that we, you know, we began that journey together. And um, all in all, I think it was beneficial for all of us. But, you know, it took me to where I am today. Um, My son is 16 now. He's with me. And he's seen this whole thing happen. Uh, He's Mm. seen me from knocking on doors, trying to get people to, to, to follow me to go you know, basically join a block club and do something in the neighborhood to, you know, you know, humbly the CEO of Forgotten Harvest, you know, one of the the state's largest and most, um, you know, impactful organizations. So it's been a, a heck of a ride. And all I can say is um, it started with a centered commitment and a focused outlook of my life with God at the center of it, really, um, asking mm-hmm. him what would, what would be my highest, you know, purpose um, for you, and um, serving his creation and serving his people was what came out of that for me, and helping people become the best, the fullest of their potential, the fullest of their potential, and then that was a path that kind of got created for me to create, you know, like Village Gardeners and to try and create some kind of structure for educational, social, and economic development. And my learning process taught me a lot about learning about how the nonprofit world works, how nonprofit organizations work, about leadership. I got a chance to do some things that help some folks. And um, luckily, I'm able to put some of that experience into what I'm doing now. 
man, that is an amazing story. And and again, I um I'm just um uh, uh, humbled by it and, and really in all of it, I really appreciate you being with us on today and you said a lot in that uh in your last statement there and what I really got out of it was um when you look when you when you after you left college you you asked yourself you know what what do I do, do I want to do what I want to do in life or uh is it more important for me to do what God would have me to do the person be the person that God wants me to be because a lot of people have uh, des- designs on what success looks like. They have an idea of what uh, they want to be. But uh, I think, you know, if I'm if I'm saying this correctly, uh, you know, you you thought that it's better for me to be the person that God wants me to be than the person that I want to be. Oh yeah, brother, I'm in the winning. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm into trying to do exactly what, you know, I can do to maximize what um, I'm supposed to be in this world. And I know of, of going to church five, six days a week coming up as a kid, I didn't make, I maybe not have picked up everything, but I picked up right. at least one thing. His way is the best way. That was the basic uh-huh. thing that I knew. Right. So when it came down to, all right, I'm in a place where I got to make some of the most critical decisions of the rest of my life because I got somebody who's about to come and depend on me and I ain't ready for it. So before I come up with a plan, let me get down to the nitty gritty about what I need to do. And I need to lean on the, the, the biggest strength I know. And it humbled me down to a point where it was it was plain and simple. When there was nothing else to do and nothing else to ask, it was only what you want me to do. How do I follow you? What do I do? And if 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 the course is to give back to my community, you know, I'm actually with that. I think I can be good at that. So it, it was something easy for me naturally to be passionate about. You know, um, keep. Honestly, he probably knew, not probably, but obviously he knew what he wanted me to do before I even asked the question. In some reason, in some ways, some days, you know, I I sit back in my own little space and I realize that, you know, he did give me some talents particularly suited for for this. And at the the time when, you know, I was at this humble place and, and, and this place of vulner- the most vulnerability of not knowing what to do or where to go without much to be able to use with my own hands or reach out to my own, own hands. And I'm looking to the Father. He says, go this path. And I'm like, what do I do in that path? Turns out, he was preparing me the whole time. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Award-winning journalist, Carolyn 
Clifford. As journalists, we just have to keep doing what we're doing day in and day out. All we can do is report the truth in a non-biased manner, and everything else will work itself out. Activist and thought leader, Marcia L. Dyson. Obviously not Nancy Pelosi, because again, because of social media, she said what she said, but that she's not going to be the ones who stopped uh, her colleagues from not only thinking out loud, but talking out loud, whoever they are, authentically. Pastor and intellectual, Dr. Frederick Haynes III. The black church, according to the uh, brilliant author and historian and scholar L.H. Welchel, he said the black church was born as a protest movement. Uh, That's the reason the black church came to be. And if we're going to be honest to uh, scripture, I mean, the church itself uh, came out protesting. It was a movement of prophetic witness uh, to, you know, the insurrection of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. We bring you the best minds who deliver their best thoughts only on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Cracking Planet Earth is your boy Griff, comedian, author, motivational speaker, entrepreneur, philanthropist, but a Jesus Christ lover. You understand me? And you're listening to Thinking Out Loud Radio with my homeboy, Michael Nemes. Check him out right here. Go ahead, Mike. Give him that good, good. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Listening to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show with Pastor Michael Nimmons. Don't you dare touch that dial. You're tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. Our final guest on tonight's show, Rexy Roll, was a young lady that I came to know through social media. I saw someone make a post about her on Twitter, and I believe it was about an interview she did with Rolling Out Magazine. And I saw that she was the vice president of the largest black-owned airport in the Bahamas. Very impressive. So I reached out through Twitter and Instagram to see if I could invite her to be a guest on the show, and she was gracious enough to oblige us at the time. And I knew that not only would I enjoy hearing her story, but our listening audience would as well. Here is just an excerpt from this dynamic and powerful interview. Take a listen. So Western Air um, started from around 2001, but basically my dad is a private pilot by trade and um, and my mom is a business major and uh, we're from a small uh, settlements we call them in Andres, which is an island in the Bahamas called Mastic Point. And um, we 
my mom had went away to school and because um, they had me very young and so she wanted to go back to college and so we moved to Fort Lauderdale. When we came back to the Bahamas on our, you know, vacation, you just noticed that the air transportation between our island and getting into the city in Nassau was, was pretty terrible. There's a lot of delays and cancellations. And so it was really kind of my mom's idea to kind of fuse my dad's knowledge about aviation, her interest in business, and be able to service our little community. And it really just started out with that. And once we started explaining what the situation was um, to, you know, a few aviation uh, financiers here in the U.S., um, they actually said, no, you shouldn't just go one aircraft, you should do three. And so it, it started there and it really just grew pretty fast from there. How long have you guys been in the aviation business? Um, almost 18 years. Wow. Wow. And how many airplanes are we talking about? Western Air operates SAB 340As. And so we have about eight SABs, but we also operate a subsidiary of Western Air, which is Vision Air, which has kind of smaller um, aircraft and like Panther Chieftains and Allaire 45. So I would say in total about, about 16 aircraft. Wow, that is truly amazing. And, and you know, as we begin to think about ownership and entrepreneurship, I want you to really uh, tell our listeners uh, how important and significant it is for your family to own uh, your own airport. It's one thing to own a plane, but it's another thing to own an airport where you have uh, planes that are now available for uh, for travel. That is that's got to be truly amazing, truly significant. And I want you to really tell our listeners what that really means to you and to your family. Right. You know that was my first really big project that I was determined to to really push forward. Um, when I had returned back to the Bahamas after being in law school in California, I we had, you know, already the, the framing of everything we wanted to do in regards of opening up our own passenger terminal in Freeport, because we have something similar at the headquarters in San Andres. But it would be different in terms of we'd be acting as our own mini airport on an airport. And the re- I, I guess the main reason why I wanted to push that forward was that we had a pretty significant base in Freeport, which is the, what we call the second city in the Bahamas. And because we had this loyal base, I really felt that we needed to add something more, an element of comfort, an element of, of maybe even intimacy, for lack of a better word. Uh, because we really are familiar with our passengers. And so we wanted to work with the you know, civil aviation authorities to get all the certification process and, and go ahead and get our own security screeners and really operate independently. And I think it was one of the best moves for us because it really allowed us to control our experience from between Freeport and Nassau, which is one of our largest routes right now. 
So that was a major change and I think passengers really, really enjoy the experience because it's, it's super easy. The process is not long, you know, it's not like TSA. So safe and it still offers them, you know, the, the ability to travel in comfort. As we said off air, with our very inspirational person spotlights, we really like to, you know, highlight and um, uh, emphasize those individuals who we believe are making a positive impact in their communities. And, um, you know, uh, we like to do that. And uh, on our radio show, and back in February, we interviewed a young lady, 14 years old, in the Civil Air Patrol, learning how to uh, become a pilot, interested in aviation. Her mother is very active in her life, and she's also being mentored by the Tuskegee Airmen, uh, which uh, is another remarkable thing for her. And we've also had the, the Tuskegee Airmen on uh, on our radio show uh, during the month of February. But when I saw your article in Rolling Out Magazine and uh, the, the article again was talking about some of the things your family was doing in the Bahamas and aviation, you know, that was another reason why I reached out because you don't really see a, a lot of us uh, involved in the aviation industry and again for you guys to uh, own your own airline in the Bahamas that again is truly truly amazing absolutely and I think ownership is incredibly important and that was one of the things that you know I really had to think pretty hard about um, I think sometimes when you're brought up in a certain uh, you know I was, like I said I was brought up in aviation so something that you're brought up into you tend to either take it for granted or you tend to run with my mom and my dad really wanted to uh, impress upon me without kind of obligating me because they I, they always kind of made sure that I had a choice but we really believe in generational legacy and uh, ownership and entrepreneurship and um, so I had so you had, you know, numerous opportunities to work other places and other firms, and I did for a while. But essentially, there's nothing like putting all that hard work and that energy, what you would have to do for someone else, than putting it into something that your family has built. There's no greater honor. So I always recommend, you know, uh, when I talk to, you know, younger kids, they always ask me, like, what about, you know, well, I don't want to work with my mom because they just, you know, they have a laundromat or they have something going on. That is, that is significant. That is ownership. And I think we, we need to support our local businesses and our black-owned businesses and really pump them up because that's, that's where it starts. And um, so I just really think ownership is incredibly important and passing that, that passion for ownership on to our kids is really important. And I'm, I'm grateful that my parents did that, and I, I hope it becomes more and more common within our community. Well, I know you are enjoying our interview with Rexy Rowe, Vice President and General Counsel of Western Air, the largest black-owned uh, airport or airline in 
the Bahamas. I know I am truly enjoying our conversation on today. And, you know, when you think about um, ownership in aviation, that is truly, truly important, uh, important note to make ownership in aviation, because there are not very many black pilots out there, let alone black owned airlines and airports. And I believe that is why this interview is so very important, so very significant, because your family not only owns an airline, but the largest black owned airline in the Bahamas. I really want to make that point and uh, make that point with our listeners so that they truly understand how significant and important this interview really is. Yeah, I I thank God every day because I, we understand that it's very rare what we um, have been able to build. But we didn't do it alone. I mean, we have 140 amazing people that work very hard with us every day. And that's with our, you know, pilots, flight attendants, dispatchers, who dispatchers probably get, you know, the, the very, very little shine, but they really help to make this show go on every day. Um, we're talking ground support, talking your admin people, reservations, that's where it starts. So it, it really is a team effort, and we're constantly trying to improve ourselves. Every day, you can imagine in an airline, there's things going on. There's so many different external factors, but um, and we're constantly trying, trying to improve, trying to better. That's why we're moving forward with this transition to get larger aircraft, to start additional routes. Um, it's a constant uh, phase of progression. And so we understand that um, it's very rare for us to, to do what we do, but we also know that it's not just us. Um, it's God, it's, uh, it's, our, it's our family, and it's definitely the team that comes into work 365 days a year. And so we're incredibly grateful for them. Don't, 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 don't touch that dial. It's the Thinking Out Loud radio show. We'll be right back. This is Michael Eric Dyson, and when I'm in Detroit, I listen to the Thinking Out Loud radio show, dropping that knowledge, giving that inspiration, giving us that enlightenment. Nobody does it like Brother Michael does it. Do your thing. Holla. Peace. Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you. This is the anniversary show featuring meteorologist Denise Isaac and the music of lyricist Ty Scott King. from NBC 10's Boston, Denise Eyes. What advice would you give a young person looking to get into this profession? Catch it on iTunes, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, and Spotify.
So continue to work hard. It's not easy. Um, you may have to move to different cities, but it's okay. Really stay humble, you know, and, and learn as much as you can. Learn from others. Don't gossip. Because once again, it's a small business. You may think you will never see uh, this person again. And then all of a sudden, guess what? You tuned in to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Keep it locked, keep it locked, keep it locked. Congratulations to Pastor Michael Nimmons and the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show for over 10,000 streams and downloads. Rate, review, and subscribe to the Thinking Out Loud Radio Show, available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, iHeartRadio, TuneIn, Spotify, and now available at michaelnimmons.com. The Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Giving voice to issues that matter to you. Who told you that you were naked? Who told you that you were insufficient? Who told you that you were a loser? Who told you that you were a failure? Who told you that you were deficient? Who told you that you were nothing? Who told you that you were worthless? Who told you that you had no value? Who told you that you were you to believe? Who told you that you were naked? It's a dynamic, empowering, and inspiring book about identity that is a definite must-have. Pastor Nimmons talks about an identity crisis that dates as far back as the Garden of Eden. You don't want to miss these powerful insights into not just the problem of this identity crisis, but the discovery of the spiritual solution. Get your copy now, available on Amazon for just $14.95 or by visiting michaelnemons.com. Like a victim when you are already victorious. Stay tuned for more motivation, more inspiration, and more empowerment on the Thinking Out Loud radio show. Keep it locked. It's time. 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 For the Thinking Out Loud radio show, Thought of the Week. Tonight's thought of the week comes from a message that my pastor, Bishop Charles Ellis, ministered on this past Sunday entitled, It's Coming Together, taken from Ezekiel, the 37th chapter, verses 5 and 7, where God is speaking to the prophet Ezekiel in the midst of a desert full of dry bones. God asked Ezekiel a seemingly difficult and complicated question. He asked, can these bones live? I can imagine the prophet is looking over this vast desert and all he can see in this desert wasteland is nothing but dry bones. And Ezekiel is probably wondering, why would God ask me a question like this? What information would I have that would trump the information that God already has? And the answer is nothing. But one thing Ezekiel did know that if God said live, then they would have to live. And if God said die, then they would ultimately have to die. 
And so Ezekiel's answer to God's complex question was, thou knowest. And this is indeed a lesson for all of us, is that even in the midst of our spiritual desert or vast wasteland, everywhere we look, it seems we're consumed with barrenness and desolation. But coming to the realization that if anyone can resurrect what many believe is dead and buried, if anyone can put back together what others have completely given up on, it's God. However, in our admission of this, we have to believe and have faith that not only does he have the ability, but that he can bring them back together. Another interesting point to consider is that not only was Ezekiel surveying the quantity of the bones that were there, but he was also examining the quality of those bones as well. I'm sure most of these bones looked like they were beyond dry. They looked like they were about to decay, which speaks to the amount of time they've been left out in the desert to be scorched by the sun. And much like Ezekiel, you're probably surveying the fragments of your life and the pieces have seemingly been scattered for months and years and maybe even decades. And the likelihood of the fragments of your life, your relationships, your family, your career, and your finances being reassembled looks extremely bleak and hopeless. But God's ability does not have an expiration date. The strength of God's power knows no particular time frame or window of opportunity. But whenever God gets ready to bring things back together, he's a God that can do just that. But the interesting part about this scripture is that even though God was fully aware of his capability, the reality of his power hinged solely on the word of the prophet. As Ezekiel spoke, things began to happen. And what this showed me and should encourage you is that God has given us the power to speak life into our dead situations and speak healing over our sick and diseased lives. He's given us the power to speak those things that are not as though they are. And as we speak, God honors our faith by bringing what we've spoken to pass. The autobiographical way in which this chapter was written leaves the impression that even though God used Ezekiel's own mouth to speak life into the valley of dry bones, that the prophet's mind was still completely blown by what God had allowed him to experience. It was almost as if Ezekiel's own words were not adequate enough to describe the miracle that took place in this desert. And this is how God works in each and every one of our lives that even while he uses us, we still can't believe our eyes. We still can't believe the miracle that is taking place right in front of us. What God was showing Ezekiel is that the power was already within him. All he had to do was to speak it. God uses what's already in us to realize a miracle that we never thought possible. God used Ezekiel to resurrect an army whose fate rests in the hands of this lowly prophet. But because he was obedient to the voice of the Lord, God used Ezekiel's voice to do the extraordinary. And the same with us. We're focused more on the problem. We're focused on the fragments. We're focused on the broken pieces. And God is saying, just exercise your faith. Things are not as bad as it seems. There, there is absolutely nothing too hard for God. There is nothing that God can't do. And the marvelous part about all of this is that God is getting ready to use you to preside over your own blessing. You're getting ready to be the author of your next chapter. You're getting ready to be the orchestrator of what happens next in your life. You have more than what you lost. You're more than what you have. You can do more than what you've done. You can be more than who you are. And God specializes in show and tell. His word definitely tells us who we are. But there's nothing greater than God enjoys in showing us exactly who we are. 
is coming together, not simply because God is involved, but because you are the missing piece in God's next masterpiece. And when he's done, the outcome is going to blow your mind. give a special thanks to our 86 guests that we've interviewed over these past two years it was a pleasure and an honor having you on the show with us we hope you enjoyed it as much as we did and we look forward to having you back on the show as well thank you again for those who tuned in on tonight again taking time out of your busy schedule we know the holidays are crazy busy and uh, the hustle and bustle of shopping and running last minute errands but we thank you for taking some time out of your schedule to listen to the thinking out loud radio show remember you can follow us on all the social media outlets out there on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash thinking out loud radio show or on twitter and instagram at tol radio host msn or tol radio show and on instagram the tol radio show or hit us up on our website at www.michaelnemons.com and leave us a comment on our thinking out loud radio show official show page that's right guys We'd love to hear from you or just leave us an email. Send us an email at contact at michaelnemons.com or thinkingoutloudradioshow at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Remember uh, to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Your support helps us to increase our presence on the world wide web. We thank you so much again for tuning in to the night show. Remember, next week is Christmas Eve. We hope to have another great show in store for you as well. So until next time, always remember, if you can think it, you can believe it. If you can believe it, you can see it. If you can see it, you can be it. If you can be it, you can achieve it. The power rests within you. The mind is the most powerful muscle in your body. Use what you got to get what you want the power is in you it's the thinking out loud radio show thanks for listening Thank you for listening to the Thinking Out Loud radio show podcast. Be sure to support all of our radio show partners. If you like the show, subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Google Play Music, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, or Spotify. Want to book radio show host Michael Nimitz for a speaking engagement, book signing, or corporate event? Send an email to contact at michaelnimitz.com. Be sure to follow the show on all of its social media accounts on Instagram at the TOL Radio Show, on Twitter at TOL Radio Show, or on our Facebook fan page at www.facebook.com forward slash Thinking Out Loud Radio Show. Are you an entrepreneur? Want to advertise? Become a Thinking Out Loud Radio Show partner and take advantage of our free introductory advertising offers. Send an email to thinking out loud radio show at gmail.com for more details. Visit
visit the new home of the Thinking Out Loud radio show at www.michaelnemons.com forward slash T-O-L radio show. The Thinking Out Loud radio show, giving voice to issues that matter to you.